Welcome to the Renew Northwest podcast, a ministry of Christ Church Bellingham. Renew Northwest is dedicated to helping the church in the Pacific Northwest be rooted in the gospel, wise in the scriptures, and equipped to engage the culture for Christ. Today's episode is a reading from a recent Renew Northwest article by Pastor Nate Walker. Find this and other articles about theology and the Christian life at RenewNorthwest.com. This is the third article in a three-part series in which we've already answered the questions, what is a human and what is a man? In the first article, we looked at how the Bible shows a large amount of overlap between men and women as humans. They are both made after God's image and are jointly given the cultural mandate to be fruitful and multiply and take dominion over the earth, Genesis 1, 26-28. Now, there is much we could say about being a, a man and being a woman, but for the sake of these articles, we're primarily looking at the creation story of Genesis 1 and 2 and asking what is essential about being a man or a woman. These are the chapters that give the most important answers. What I'm arguing is that the essential unique calling of a man is to be a guardian, and the essential unique calling for a woman is to be a helper. Both of these callings are are focused on the flourishing of other people. Men provide a context for others to flourish through guarding. Women encourage the flourishing of others through helping. This is consistent with our our Lord's words about how human beings are supposed to live. Uh, We love our God, and then we love our neighbor as ourselves. For the woman who reads this and immediately hears the word helper as a kind of slave who is there to wait on the man, it will likely be helpful to know that the great helper of the Bible is actually God himself. Consider Psalm 121. It says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The word for help is the same root as that used for the woman in Genesis 2.18. This is not a demeaning title. It is a title of tremendous honor, and it is the way that a woman reflects to the world around her the goodness and beauty of the God who created her. It is a wonder that God calls himself our helper, that he would come down to us and offer us strength in the midst of the difficulties of life. A woman should not hesitate for a second to rejoice that he shares such a title with her. My encouragement to the women of our church is this. When you think, what does it mean to be a woman? The most satisfying answer is, I am a helper like God. Consider these words from Jesus. For who is the greater, the one who reclines at table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as one who serves. Luke twenty-two twenty-seven. The calling of helper is a rich and beautiful calling, one God himself gladly fulfills, and I believe that if women embrace it, they will find much satisfaction in it. Let's look at what it means to be a helper. A woman is a relational helper. A woman is a relational helper. In the first chapters of Genesis, when God was making his world, he repeatedly said over and over, It is good, it is good, it is good, but not until Genesis 2.18, after the man was created, but before the woman was, do we hear 
the first problem. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I think many of us can attest to the truth of this statement. Men do not do well when they are alone. It is into this problem that the woman is created. She is meant to help specifically in the area of relationship. I've heard it said somewhere that when men evaluate themselves, they tend to ask, what impact have I made? What have I done? But women will often evaluate their lives, kind of look back on their lives, on the quality of their relationships. I don't mean that women don't care about making an impact. My wife certainly does care about making an impact or that men don't care about relationships. I know I certainly care about relationships, but I mean, what is our first instinct? What tends to burden us more deeply? Generally speaking, men push women to go make an impact and women push men toward relationships. It might be asked, which is more important, accomplishing things or relationships. They are certainly both essential to human life, but the Christian God is the God of relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who have existed in eternal love. I wonder if the woman's focus on relationship is what makes her the glory of man, is what it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 11 7. She is the pinnacle of God's creation, his last and final work before he rested in Sabbath. A man might spend most of his life thinking, What have I accomplished? But when he comes to his deathbed, the thing that will really matter to him most is, How are the relationships in my life? And he will look back and find that it was often his wife, who reminded him, don't neglect these relationships, relationship with me, with your children, even with your friends. A man is wise if he is willing to receive this help from his wife. So women were brought into the world to help with the problem of loneliness. I, I think single women can also embrace that calling in a variety of ways, even if they are waiting to find a husband But in addition to helping with loneliness, I believe Eve was made to help Adam with the work he had been given by God to accomplish. And this reveals a second answer to the question, what is a woman? A woman is a missional helper. So a woman's a relational helper, but a woman is also a missional helper. One thing I find interesting about how God has structured the home and the church is that often women are actually more capable in a variety of areas from piety and study to administration and management, etc. And yet, God tells men to be heads of households and officers in the church. The modern mind wonders, if these women are so capable, why shouldn't they also be allowed to serve in these roles? It may be that God chose men who have an inherent weakness for this reason. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 27-29 talks about God Uh, choosing uh, the weak so to show his own power and glory. We must be willing to trust God's wisdom in how he's ordered the roles of men and women in the home, in the church, and in society. Genesis 2 does seem to suggest there is some kind of weakness in men that makes them need a helper. It's not physical weakness, since women are called the weaker vessel in in 1 Peter 3.9, but they need help. When it says that the woman was a helper fit for him, it means that she was opposite him. This is part of the reason why we often marry people who are so different from us. The Lord intended it that way. 
I heard in a podcast recently that if you look at a really accomplished and successful man, generally you, you will find that he is married to a remarkable and capable woman. She gives him a power and strength that he would never have by himself. One of the main ways uh, women use their various uh, capabilities to help a husband is in the management of the home. Paul says that older women in the church should teach and train younger women to to work at home, it says in in Titus 2, uh, 3, and 5, and manage their households in 1 Timothy uh, 5.14. Over the past century, women have been told over and over again that the management of a home is a menial and unimportant work, and that seeking a career in corporate America or at a law office is what really matters. G.K. Chesterton has explained better than I ever could how backwards this thinking is. This is what he says. If drudgery only means dreadfully hard work, I admit the woman drudges in the home, as a man might drudge at the Cathedral of Amiens or drudge behind a gun at uh, Trafalgar. But if it means that the hard work is more heavy because it's trifling, colorless, of small import to the soul, then, as I say, I give it up. I do not, under, I do not know what the words mean. To be Queen Elizabeth within a definite area, deciding sales, banquets, labors, and holidays. To be uh, whitely within a certain area, providing toys, boots, sheets, cakes, and books. To be Aristotle within a certain area, teaching morals, manners, theology, and hygiene. I can understand how this might exhaust the mind, but I cannot imagine how it could narrow it. How can it be a large career to tell other people's children about the rule of three and a small career to tell one's own children about the universe? How can it be broad to be the same thing to everyone and narrow to be everything to someone? No, a woman's function is laborious, but because it is gigantic, not because it is minute. I will pity Mrs. Jones for the hugeness of her task. I will never pity her for its smallness. G.K. Chesterton, What's Wrong with the World. Now, let me be clear. This is not to say that women shouldn't be using their gifts broadly in every aspect of human culture. In our church, women serve in countless ways of administration, counseling, discipleship, teaching, music, hospitality, marketing, and so on. I can't imagine how our church would function without them. I've been indebted to the wise counsel and experience of many women over the course of our church and have seen that managing the church is a corollary of managing a family's home. So much of how a church is run depends on women, and historically much of the practical ministry of a church has been done by women and often single women. You know, I think of the nuns in the uh, Roman Catholic Church. I feel much how the Apostle Paul spoke of the women who labored with him. This is a Philippians 4.3 says, Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. These women will be commended by our Lord on the last day. Well and Well done, good and faithful servant. And this will largely be because of their embrace of that great title, Helper. What about motherhood? I can't finish an article about 
what it is to be a woman without a few words about motherhood. When we look only at the biology of a woman and not to God's word, the vision of what it means to be a woman is truncated. I find it interesting that a direct mention of motherhood is not included in the creation account of the woman. It is, of course, implied in the mandate to be fruitful and multiply, which is given to men and women. So she will help fulfill this calling by bearing uh, the children to be born. But interestingly, the way the Apostle Paul sees the cultural mandate being fulfilled is not primarily by having biological children, but by making disciples. In that sense, parents are only truly fulfilling the cultural mandate if they are having children and discipling them. Notice how he borrows the language of Genesis 1 in describing the movement of the gospel in the early church. This is from Colossians 1, verses 5 and 6. Of this you have heard before, the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. Now listen to this. It is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Paul sees the cultural mandate, you know, of being fruitful and multiplying of Genesis 1 being fulfilled in the gospel of Jesus Christ, through which the nations are born again and remade in God's image. Even though motherhood does not appear in Genesis 2, it does pretty quickly appear in Genesis 3. We read about the importance of motherhood in these these two verses. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And then in Genesis 3.20, it says, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. What does this tell us? Motherhood is an important instrument that God uses in the building of his kingdom. What do these two observations tell us about the relationship between motherhood and being a woman? I would put it this way. Though motherhood is not essential to being a woman because it's not in Genesis 2, it will always be celebrated in the Christian church and will be one of the fundamental ingredients in how women fulfill their calling to build the kingdom as helper and discipler. A Christian feminine posture will celebrate having children, will be open to having children, and will generally be positive toward God's purposes in childbearing. Some would say, but isn't motherhood woven into the very shape of a woman's body? Isn't it physically the form of her being? Doesn't that make it essential? That's a fair and important point. Our bodies matter deeply to who we are. But motherhood is talked about in broad ways throughout the Bible. The Apostle Paul sees the qualities of motherhood as being gentle and affectionate. He saw himself like a mother in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. And I believe generally a woman's physical makeup corresponds to this gentleness and affection. Abigail uh, Favale, in her excellent book on uh, gender, The Genesis of Gender, it's a great book if you want to check it out, captures this quality of a woman's body in her chapter on fertility and birth control. This is what she says. Women, by their very physiology, have bodies that are open to life, bodies that welcome the stranger in before the will can bar the door. I think that's a really powerful statement. She is saying that God has shaped women in the form of hospitality. Even more, Jesus said, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. 
In this sense, whether a woman has biological children or not, when she lives under God's word, she embraces the calling of a spiritual mother of her own children and of others. For who has been a greater help to us than a loving and affectionate mother? I believe all of this falls under the identity of helper. If the word helper has been a stumbling block to women in our culture, my hope is that God's vision for the great calling would help women joyfully and gratefully embrace that beautiful title. By doing so, you glorify God and you labor for the coming of his kingdom. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Renew Northwest podcast. If you've been blessed by this content, please leave us a review, like and follow the show, or share this episode with friends or family whom you think would enjoy it. You can also sign up for our monthly newsletter at RenewNorthwest.com.